Hey, episode 66 of the Nashville Artist Podcast is out, and it features Jalen Anderson. Jalen is a comedian, actor, and filmmaker. Some of his favorite actors slash comedians are Robert Downey Jr., Dave Chappelle, and Nate Bargetsky. He talks about his formula for joke writing. He wants you to learn, like, and laugh. He makes it a point to watch movies, TV shows, and play video games so that he can always yield fresh content for his comedy. Listening, he'll learn how his comedy group Sketchy as Hell came about. Jalen feels that his role on earth is to make others laugh and feel good, taking the edge of life away in the process. You can support his career by following him and Sketchy as Hell on social media. He recommends artists not take life too seriously and learn to laugh at the hard parts of it. His favorite venue is the Ryman. Movie influences like Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back, Rush Hour, Car Wash, The Nice Guys, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Matrix, and Harry Potter. Video game influences like Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild, Lego Star Wars, Skywalker Saga, The Batman Arkham Games, Battlefront, and God of War. Enjoy the episode. Today I went and uh, hung out with a friend. Uh, we went to a red bicycle cafe. Oh yeah, which one? Uh, the one off Fifth. I'd never been. Okay. Um, I am often baffled by just how much Nashville is changing and how much I don't know exists anymore. And right. I'll see for the first time. So I think that one has been there for a second, but I just never, never it, made it around to there. That's hilarious. It has been there for a second, and <laughs> I used to work at the one on Nolansville. Oh Pike. no way! I worked there for almost two years. Damn! Did you fuck with it? Or? I mean, yeah, it was for what it was <laughs> and what I had to do there. I mean, made it my own. Yeah, you know, met a lot of people. That's so, fuck yeah. Were you making crepes or were you like barista? Everything. Oh, crepes, barista, cashier, yeah, clean janitor, whatever. What was your favorite part? What was your favorite thing to do? Uh. Probably somewhat barista but then at a certain point, you become a lot of people's therapist. So <laughs> some days you're just like, I just want to chill. And like, someone tells you, you got to talk. Story. I mean, the talking was cool at some points. And I learned a lot by, you know, social experimenting, you know, seeing what people would do if I did this. What mm-hmm. would they do if I did that? So I like learned a lot by talking to a lot of people to see how they might respond. Mm-hmm. And that was cool. But um, sometimes working in the kitchen because I didn't have to talk to people as much. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason that was would be more because I could just listen to my music and cook, oh, yeah. and just I felt like pretend that I was in a '60s diner <laughs> cooking yeah. instead of some you know I don't know you're flipping burgers and doing doing short order stuff. Um, yeah, thank you, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, 
it was my first one of my first jobs when I moved here. So help break me in, you know, broke me in. How long have you been here? Uh, um, six years and four months. Six years and four months. You got it down, man. What's been your favorite part about Nashville so far? Like, I mean, obviously you're a musician, so this is a, a really great space for it. But like, what? Let's start. With what brought you to Nashville? Music. Yeah, I play drums, and I wanted to play drums, and I like music, and I want to be surrounded by artists, and um, I just wanted to become a better musician and artist here, and oh, be yeah. around people that were, you know, hungry mm. and like, you know, determined. Yeah. And have the fire to basically be around a bunch of tenacious people. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Because I wanted to like feed my soul with theirs and fucking we all rise together kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I found that here. And that's why I'm partly why I do this podcast is because I love to learn from different artistic people. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for having me on again. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm glad that's what you found here. It feels like. It, there's there's so much creativity within Nashville, like in all different forms. Um, it, it does feel like a, really that kind of place that people just either come to or leave from with a different understanding of like the way art can be made and how you can have your own creative process. Yeah, and it's like to what we what we do and our passion about may seem absurd to others outside our kind, like who work regular jobs, you know have regular lives mm. but here it is so normal to be your odd self and that's i find that amazing mm. where it's embraced where you're embraced to um be unique mm. or try to stand out yeah where it's not a bastardized place where everyone's like why would you do this why would you do that people are like no i, I mean any absurd or crazy ambitious thing you do is almost expected here yeah yeah where are you from originally uh, Lookout Mountain, Georgia. Okay. Oh, yeah. Chattanooga, basically. Mm -hmm. um, you can hit this one. Thank you much. Whenever that's green and, and it's good to go. Nice. Um, yeah. Moved here six years and four months ago. Oh, yeah. What was your least favorite thing about Lookout Mountain? Uh, well, probably people. No. <laughs> Very sterile in some ways. But my favorite thing about Wookiee Mountain is the options. I mean, where I lived, you know, I could drive to the back of the mountain, be in the middle of nowhere, mm -hmm. and shoot my guns, go off-roading, mm -hmm. which was fun. Yeah. And I could, at night, if I wanted to, I could sneak out and be safe and wander around the mountain. Yeah. Um, and you could go hiking. I could go rock climbing. I grew up rock climbing, and nice. so that was fun. And living on a mountain amazing because you have the brisk winters and the falls mm -hmm. and then the wind like um really beautiful springs and falls with leaves change oh yeah um but yeah the people could be a little annoying which i didn't like i thought they were a little judgmental mm -hmm. and kind of boring and annoying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very fair and so that's why I had to move here mm -hmm. and Ch I love Lookout Mountain and Chattanooga, but it's just, yeah, I was kind of my take in a lot of instances. And I was like, I want to be around people that are weird. Yeah. You know? 
and that embrace their inner, you know, uh, childlike sense of curiosity. Yeah. As opposed to conforming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like uniqueness, which is like cookie cutter, like this yeah. is what you need to be doing. Like, yeah, that judgment it, that it just that. seems like as a city where to me, in some aspects, it's like, why would you, why would you, why would you go and do that? Mm. Whereas here is like, why would you not go and do that? Yeah. Hell yeah. That's very nice. Anyways, I don't want to make any of this about me. Um, so we'll get started here. Sounds good. Hey everyone, welcome to the Nashville Artists. I'm Jordan, and today Jalen Anderson is here. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming over and doing this. Of course, thank you for having me, man. So where are you from? I'm from here. I'm uh, born and raised in Nashville uh, up until I went to college, um, and I moved to Chicago. I've been up in Chicago now for four years. Um, I really love it, but I, I do miss home a lot. Okay, so you live in Chicago? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I've been... Uh, I went to the school at DePaul University for like comedy film, yeah. and uh, after studying there, I just settled down, found an apartment up there. Um, but I'm I'm always back here for the holidays and to see my family because I still got younger siblings that live here and my my mom and dad, obviously. Awesome. Do your siblings do art? Um, not really. They're also really fucking young. It'd be cool if they did. But my my brother's 15 and my sisters are five and three, so um, I know they have kind of what you're saying like their own uniqueness their own creativity and curiosity and so i hope that'll be something that's just like fostered throughout their time um I, i'd love for them to do art but also i want them to not be broke one day so yeah you know, <laughs> might conflict what about brother. your parents um my parents are not necessarily involved in the arts but are uh, still very creative in their own ways uh, my dad um he, he's like uh, nurse practitioner or working to be and my mom's a teacher so she's um i i am very grateful they're both incredibly smart and uh egotistically i think i got a little bit of their intelligence from them i understand no <laughs> so what were you into as a little kid mm, i always kind of had this idea that i wanted to be an actor because i was really into movies uh, we were talking about Star Wars, and there was definitely a lot of obsession there with with that. But um, yeah, from from a young age, I was like, I want to be an actor. I want to be somebody who can perform um, and entertain people uh, through this medium because it just it seemed. Uh, I think when I was younger, it seemed a lot more glamorous, and I was kind of obsessed with like the more uh, like glory aspects of it, which yeah. is for the wrong reasons, but. Um, as I got older and started to do it more often, I found my own personal fulfillment from it, not just the outside validation that comes with it. Um, and that just continued to make it more and more enjoyable. What um, early influences, like Star Wars, what else? Star Wars, uh, a lot of nerdy shit. I was, I was, I am a nerd. I was about to say past tense, but that hasn't changed at all. Um, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, uh, Avatar Last Airbender was like my favorite TV show growing up. Um, comedically things that started to push me towards like doing comedy specifically. Uh, it was movies like rush hour, uh, which is one of my favorites of all time. It was, uh, my dad showed me a lot of like parody movies as a kid. So like, uh, Robin Hood men in tights is one of my favorites space balls, of course. Um, and then a little later on in life, a lot of, uh, newer things that came out, 
from like Phil Lloyd and Chris Miller, if you know them. They like did the Lego movie. They did uh, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, um, the Spider-Verse movies. Um, their like style and brand of humor through film is just, I think, really, really creative and fun. And it's kind of got their own signature on the way they tell jokes. And I think that's really interesting. All right. So who, um, who specifically, like, actors-wise when mm. you're younger? Actors-wise? Or com- comedians, whoever. Mm. Who are you like, I want to be more like them. I thought I wanted to, I wanted to be RDJ so bad. Uh, after seeing uh, Iron Man one, I was like, I'm, I just want to be Robert Downey Jr. for the rest of my life, you know? Because <laughs> uh, I was like, he, he gets away with being like a, an outward asshole, but he's like a kind person inside, or at least seemingly so. So I was like, yeah, that's that's the epitome of cool, you know? Yeah, dude. When the first one came out, I saw that in theaters, and I was mm. like, oh my god, this is amazing. Because I love stories where they have to like build shit yeah. to become like. Yeah. Like Robinson Crusoe is one of my favorite books. Mm. He has to like build a whole fortress and everything yeah. by himself. And I just find that movie just was like the ultimate. It was. Who, what kid has not wanted to build like an iron, like a, a med- robotic yeah. like suit and fly and, and yeah. like kill bad guys? Yeah, it was, just, it was like it was the thing to do. And I, I remember uh, my dad had the the DVD of it, and the original DVD case was just like an Iron Man helmet that opens up. And, like, has the DVD, like, sitting in there where his face would be. It's, like, cool as hell. Damn. Yeah. So, like, what first got you into comedy and art? Like, when did you... Mm, I I did, like, a little bit of acting through... It was mostly, like, camps and stuff, you know? Like, you go to camp, and at the end of the summer, they'd have a production uh, of you know, or something, of, you know, just you're singing or whatever. So I definitely did a bit of that in like middle school. Um, and that just formed into in high school, wanting to do something performance related and film related. And that just turned out to be uh, musical theater, which uh, was super fun. It was like corny from an outside perspective for sure, but it was just um, kind of just building the sense of community around performing and, 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 I love for like song and dance and acting and like, just like it, it just felt great to kind of be what you're saying, like surrounded by people who were, weren't afraid to embrace their like uniqueness and, and be who they were um, for, and live through a role. Um, and so doing that in high school comedy, I didn't really start until um, until college. Really. I, my, my dad used to be a comedian Um I've never seen him like anything of his because he said he did it during college, but he's young as hell. That was the nineties. So I'm like, I don't know why I haven't seen anything. They definitely had video cameras back then. So I don't know if he's just making this shit up or not, but he's uh, pretty funny dude. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's, uh, he's funny. He's got kind of like a dad joke sense of humor. And so much of my, so much of my early life was me trying to, you know, not laugh at his dad jokes, just to roll my eyes at him instead. But um, he is funny overall and he's very creative. So I think that fueled a lot of my passion for, uh, definitely like storytelling and, and joke telling because, uh, that really started with me just like retelling his jokes to my friends. Cause I was like, well, you know, some of these are, are funny. So I might, Can might you say one of his jokes. Um, yeah, he had this, he had this joke. Um, what do you, what do you call, or, or how do you find Will Smith in the snow? look for the fresh prince 
Which was like, is, yeah, it's just one of those. It's like, okay, that's corny. It's funny. It's smart, but it's corny. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was another one? They had another one that was. Uh, there's three guys uh, walking down the street, and one time, uh, while they're walking down, they see this sign for uh, uh, genie, right? And on the sign, it's like, "Genie, get your wish. Just walk right around the corner." First, he was like, "Oh my god." That sounds really great. He goes around the corner, comes back with like two really hot women on his arms. He's like, dude, this genie is real. Yeah, I gotta go back there. I just come on. And he walks away with the two girls. Second guy goes, Oh my god. All right, let's go try this genie. He walks around, sees the genie, comes back around, driving a convertible. He's like, dude, that genie is legit. You gotta go talk to her, man. He sits in the car. The first guy with his two girls get in the car as well, and they're sitting idly by while the third guy goes around the corner. He's going for like 20 minutes longer than any of them were. Finally, he comes back around the corner. The third guy, his head is about the size of an apple on his, on his shoulders. It's just his head is like really shrunken down. I'm like, dude, what the fuck did you ask for, man? You, What did you wish for to make this happen? And he goes, well, I got over there. I couldn't really think of anything. And honestly, the genie was pretty hot. So I said, uh, a little head couldn't hurt. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So shit like that was um, what I was hearing at, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And that just definitely affected my sense of humor and <laughs> the, the way I tell jokes. Yeah, so. the fact that he like, he was in the 90s, it was a very dark time for humor, which was my favorite yeah. humor. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was like everyone, like even cartoons had dark mm-hmm. stuff to them. Like I think we all just kind of grew up. In that time period is like just used to dark shit. Yeah, it was definitely like a weird, like I think cartoons have been around for just enough, or like you know we had kind of settled into like this uh, this mass media thing where like everybody gets kind of the same programming to where it was like okay, well like what's this next step? What's the step up in terms of like especially like things with adult animation coming out like late or late nineties, early two thousands, and like. Oh, yeah. It's like how do we how do we take it the next step? How do we talk about the things tread that the line exactly? Yeah. Talk about the things that make people uncomfortable, but also need to be talked about. You know, right? Yeah, it's a tough line. So, what you said in school, you did more comedy. Mm-hmm. Did you study comedy in school? Yeah, I was a I was a film student with a concentration in comedy filmmaking. So it was basically just like writing, acting, and directing for comedy, and we got to take. Uh, a lot of classes at the second city up in Chicago, which is pretty cool just because it was, uh, we got to do improv during that. And that was again, something that's like corny from an outside perspective. But once you're in it, it's that same thing of like creative people bringing their own sensibility and their, their own humor to the table. And that's just like, is inspiration that is pure. Like it's, it's one of the, easiest ways to create even once you're like outside of the room with people because you've seen so much breadth of humor and you've heard so much like personality and different and different voices um that it's almost like it's it's very encouraging to like spread your own voice that way and like get into the your own creation yeah having the courage to be live out yourself yeah uninhibited mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. awesome 
So why would you say you're drawn to art and comedy? Mm. Um, I just always have had this, this, this enjoyment and this fulfillment out of uh, like, how can I make people laugh and how can I make people happy? And I think um, I, it wasn't until later in life that I realized, like, I think our true purpose here is to just make someone else happier. Like we need to be happy. Yes. But I think our goal and, and why we're on this planet is to make someone else's moment day or life better. Like, and there's small ways we can do it and there's big ways we can do it. Um, but I like the idea of like talking about things in people's lives that, you know, that may be hard or things that are relatable or it, just anything that they can pull onto that'll make them laugh. And it'll take that, take that edge away for just even a moment is, um, is incredibly fulfilling. And so I, I love telling jokes. I love, I love acting for kind of like the personal creativity. It allows me to express um, directing is kind of just like a extension of, of writing in a way. And just in terms of how can I, like showcase a story through uh, the visual medium. And that's something I, I definitely need to work on more, but um, it's an enjoying, I, I enjoy the process of like just learning how. Um, so short answer. Yeah. It just, it just makes me happy. And like, I, I think it's great that I have something that makes me happy and makes others happy at the same time. And I think that's all you can really yeah. hope for in a, in a hobby or job or career. Yeah, if I think this funny and someone else thinks it's funny, it's when yeah, exactly, exactly. That's like as long as I think it's funny. Yeah, that was one of the first things we kind of like learned in in comedy schools. Like, don't tell jokes that you don't think are funny. Like, whatever your sensibility is, even if like you're doing stand up or something, if you're telling a joke you don't believe or you don't resonate with, then you're not going to tell it right. And even if there's someone out there who might resonate with it, they're not they're not going to because you don't have that same passion for it. Yeah. That's a very good point. Helps, helps, you know, when you're in the right lane mm -hmm. for content, I guess. Yeah. Do I like this? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're writing, if you're writing the joke and you laugh during it, that's a good sign. It's like, okay, that means someone else could. Yeah. Mm. So who are your favorite comedians and actors of all time? Uh, Dave Chappelle, I think is my favorite comedian. Of all time uh i know he's a little bit dicey right now and that's because he also doesn't know when to shut the fuck up i think that's probably his least admirable quality is just not having a uh shut the fuck up button um but i i actually went to see him when he was here uh, a few months back and it was super super fun because he's um he's hilarious i love the way he tells stories i love the way he like well be able to take you through a story and drop jokes whenever he wants to. Um, and he has a, a great way of always like bringing it back for another punch up, like bringing oh, yeah. the punchline of another joke into the, the next joke or like tying it all together to um, he, he's got like just a, a great way of weaving together a story to make you engaged and laugh and, oh, and um, see where he's coming from sometimes, not with everything because sometimes he's, a little stupid but with most yeah, things yeah i've seen him twice and like i've met him once and he's no way yeah at a whole foods in chattanooga what ran, the fuck randomly the day after i saw him i don't know i ran into him and i was like hey great show last night he's like hey thanks man but yeah first time i saw him dude my face was hurting yeah laughing so hard yeah second time 
it was still great, but it was very more, much more political because the elections and shit. Yeah. And so that kind of like was like half the content. But dude, the first one, he was just coming up with all these random jokes yeah. and stories about his life, and it was hilarious. Yeah, he's. I think he's. He's one of the greats, and I think he changed the way that a lot of people like look and look at comedy and view comedy. And um, I th- yeah, he's just. He's hilarious. Yeah, he's like, I'll tell you all the punchline now, and then I'll tell you how we're going to get there. Yeah. And then he does the whole thing. And then you forget you're waiting for the punchline. And yeah, and you forget the punchline, and yeah, he brings back on it. Holy crap. He's exactly. Like, he's like, I'm that good. Yeah, yeah, he, kn- he knows he's good, too. That's yeah. That was part of the reason, I think, um, a lot of the shit he was doing, like, and, and a lot of the dissing on, like, trans people he was doing was just, like, was was so weird, is because, like, he knows he's funny, and he knows, like, some people might laugh at this, but the majority of people like aren't thinking like, "Oh, this isn't what he really means." Like he he feels empowered to like joke about those things because he doesn't have a hatred for the community. He's just like he he has a respect that's there, but that's his way of showing it, and it's also fueled by people like getting mad at him. Like he yeah. he's like, "Oh, people are angry at this. That means keep going." Um, when in reality, it's kind of like tell the joke once, and if it doesn't work move on or if you like think it works then like find another subject yeah find something else to talk about that is like his last netflix special was ass like it was like half it was kind of what you're saying it was like the first half was like okay okay we're getting somewhere and then he goes yeah and trans people were really mad at me for last time so i'm gonna double down um and so he's like i'm gonna double down and did the entire next 30 minutes of just like it's like dude move move on like try something other material yeah and then but actually, when I went and saw him a few months back, he started off with, I'm not going to do any trans jokes, maybe like one or two. And he really did just do like one or two. Wow. And they were actually like funny jokes that weren't just punching down. Yeah, he, he's learned. And I think near cancellation might have pushed him to actually think some more. So I'm glad he's, um, I'm glad that if that was a push he needed, I'm glad he got it. Because, yeah, this show was a lot better and a lot less transphobic. So yeah, that was nice. Awesome. Yeah. Who were some other. Um... Uh, also recently I've been listening to a lot of, uh, Nate Bargatze. He's actually like an Asheville native and he just hosted SNL, uh, a couple weeks back, but he's like a very simple comedian. He's, um, like a, a lot of his jokes are centered around how dumb he is and not like in a, a in a punching down on himself way, but just like trying to view the world from like the every man perspective and like he just has a really funny way of, uh, of of telling those jokes as if it's conversational and not necessarily like like Dave's style is very much let me take you on a journey through the story and it, oh my goodness my story just got on. Um, but his way of, is more like here's what I view in the world do you guys see this shit too or do, am I I'm stupid I'm just this is just the way I do things or like uh, he's got a bit about like ordering coffee at Starbucks and he's like I just I don't, if there was a way I could do it where I didn't have to talk to anybody ever, I'd do it. Not because he's tired of talking to people, but he's like, I don't understand how to do it. Like, it's just, it's tough sometimes learning like the, the social cues for it or, you know, keeping up with the times and shit like that. So ordering coffee mm-hmm. for him. Like, getting, like trying to do like a, a venti iced macchiato, uh, with, yeah. you know, caramel shots and frappe espresso on top. Like, it's just like, he's like, I don't just want a latte with, you know, 
with almond milk. <laughs> yeah, like just something like he wants to keep it simple. It's just like right. I haven't having a hard time getting through it. Nice. Yeah. So uh Dave Chappelle and what Nate Bargetsky. Yeah, Bargetsky, I think it's B A R G E T Z. Cool. Yeah. But he's funny to definitely check him out if you haven't. Uh, apart from them, uh I also love uh, Roy Wood Jr. He's a correspondent on the Daily Show for a little bit, but he's in um he also did the White House Correspondent Dinner, just most most recent one. Um, but I think he's uh, one of those people who, uh, he, again, he can tell a really good story, but he's also got a way of um, like telling telling the jokes about things that necessarily people aren't necessarily like, comfortable talking about, or like don't always think needs to be talked about. But he's like there to talk about it. Like he has a joke about um, if you want to have a really good movie set in like the 1800s or anything, or if it's like a slavery movie, you got to have one white man who's really committed to just being an evil person. <laughs> it's like Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Django Unchained. Like you just yeah. got to, you got to have one dude like ready to go all the way. But like, it's, you know, it's, it's weird to think about. It's awful to think about like you show up to set and just get like, man, gotta be hella racist today like you're like that's that's the kind of mentality you got to go into but that's what yields a great performance out of it or that's what makes the movie work so much and i'm like yeah that Django and chain is my favorite like tarantino movie but that's definitely the most racist one so you it's gotta like, go there yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah i love roywood for shit like that he's, he's fun. nice keeps it historically accurate mm-hmm. yeah exactly i mean you can't have like can't be nice can't be no. Likeable by any means, yeah. like, you know. Like that. cool. Yeah, you almost have to like Gonzo journalism your way into the, <laughs> except for actually experiencing. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta create that atmosphere, which is terrifying to think of, but terrifying. <laughs> for sure. Okay, cool. How do you develop like your comedy skills or acting or? Filmmaking? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a, a lot of the same with any with any art. It's just the pure repetition of it um, and experimentation with it. Um, for acting, acting, uh, I think the biggest thing to like work on um, and to and to really like hone your craft is just commitment. Like the the best actors are the ones who are the most committed and can um, you know are are. There's there's nothing but them and the person who's in the scene with them and where they are, and they have that context behind it. They have like um, they they do their homework and think about like where how does this character exist outside of this scene that we're working in. So like that's that's just like pure commitment. And I think working on that commitment is how you become a better actor just overall. Um, Because once you're committed, that shows more so in your performance, on your face and your body, and like how you you need to know you know does this character talk with their hands does this character sit reserved or like how what what leg do they cross over the other like shit like that it's just like so deep and detailed that's how you get i feel like that's how you get better at acting for comedy and joke writing um i think that's mostly centered around like finding your voice and kind of i was saying earlier like you have to have a passion for what you're saying you have to have a passion behind your behind your thought because it's really just here let me tell you a story or opinion i have and Here's why you think should think it's funny. Here's why you should agree with me, or why you should disagree with me. And I want you to like, like my my jokes. I, I try to have 
three things for you. Like, I want you to learn something about me. I want you to laugh at it. And I want you to like me for it. Like, like either you like that I had to say what I had to say, or like you like what I said and you agree with it. Um, and so I'm trying to yeah, just dig deeper, even deeper into my own voice uh, and find like, not just like what I want to say, but why do I want to say it and like who I am? And that can just help you generate more material. Like if you're like, I hate this thing because this, I'm like, well, if I hate this, shouldn't I hate this thing as well? Or if I like this because of this, shouldn't I like this thing as well? And that helps you find a new path or a new topic to kind of work from and just keep generating ideas. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, do you have like writing routines or anything like that? Or no, do you I read books for like. I try and I'm I'm trying to be better about it. I I think I've just been sucked up in social media so much recently, like especially yeah. after COVID, that it's uh, it's hard to like break out and and find what you need to do like outside of consuming media because now it's so easy to consume that, um, especially short form content that you got to find ways to like get inspiration outside. So I'm trying to be better about like reading every day. Um, watching more movies because that's also how you become a better filmmaker just expanding your knowledge same way like you want to be a better musician you listen to different new music that you haven't listened to before um you got to watch new movies that are outside your comfort zone or out you know are the classics that have every aspect working for them and learn uh and, and try and think about how they did that aspect and they're like like we were talking about where you try and create um recreate the music from every like baseline piece of it like through every software that you have um there are sometimes exercises where it's like recreate this scene or recreate this lighting or this shot um to to have that same feel and see like what was the what were the choices they made that invoked this specific feeling um you know through through this medium nice um how did your uh, sketches how come about yeah i um i was doing stuff in college like trying to get him more shoots and i had a friend of mine um who was in this uh production comp or production group uh basically and it was pretty much all students and all student ran but it was started by this guy named ivan and i met ivan over zoom one day and um he was like, yeah, we're going to go out to this place in random place in Illinois called Oglesby. We're going to shoot this short film. Uh, would you just like to be a PA on it? And I'm like, that's amazing. I would love to have any opportunity to be on set, do anything. Um, same meeting, there was other guy named Chris in there. And Chris, um, I had had a class with before, the stand-up class. Um, so I knew he was a funny dude, but um, didn't know too, too much about him. So we were just like, yeah, cool dude. Let's... Uh, you know, let's go get this shit. He was going to be another PA as well. And we go on this shoot. And on the way to the shoot, we get um, piled up in a car. Uh, it was like Ivan's grandfather, the cameraman, uh, me, Chris, Ivan, and this other guy who was Chris's friend. And it was a two and a half hour car ride. That's six people in one five-seater car. So we're squished four to the backseat, but not a second went by without us nerding out or talking about like we talked about shit the entire two and a half hour drive and didn't once complain about the seating arrangement. Like that's how I knew like we, it, we were just feeding off each other in terms of creativity, in terms of like the things we enjoyed and the things we liked. Um, 
and the things we, we love talking about. And we were nerding out a whole fuck ton back there. Like at least an hour was spent on Lord of the Rings. Uh, uh, it was like, it was a lot. So uh, we, we had that weekend shoot, finished up the shoot. Um, and we were like, well, this is like a friendship we made for life. Like we know, like not only have we made like creative friends, but like we just, found a, like a collaboration that works um even though we weren't too heavily involved with the shoot at the time um we had we had established that connection and then from there uh, the company that uh, they were that we did stuff originally with that ivan was the leader of just kind of like fell apart things didn't go too well with it um and we were like well we all want to do things we all want to make things like we need to to stay fresh and to continue like not just writing our ideas down but seeing them played out let's just start making things um and so we made one sketch uh we did the first sketch we did was like a genius parody video uh it was like something that ivan had thought of and he wrote the sketch we filmed it uh we did two parts in one day we just rented out like a library green room at depaul and we were like this is funny as hell we were like this is not only fun like as an end product, but the creative process we had and like coming together on it was just like, yeah, this is fun. Like this, we work really well together. Uh, we have similar like humors, but different styles and different uh, passions within film. So we were like, let's continue collaborating. And we were like, what should we call ourselves? And we had like maybe a 20 minute discussion about it, but the best we can come up with was sketchy as hell. And we were like, yeah, yeah, that works. So we just, stuck with it and we're never probably not leaving it ever um although we have gotten some funny moments where we've gotten paid to do some shit and they're like hey did i send the right did i send the money to the right zell it says sketchy as hell like i didn't think this was right <laughs> i was like no that's right don't worry yeah it's not describing our company it's just you know the actual name of it um so yeah and we've been creating ever since uh doing sketch comedy we have I uh, worked on some podcasts before. Um, we're hoping to put together a live show pretty soon so we can have some of our improv friends and do stuff like that. But um, just, yeah, just it's been this powerhouse of collaboration and creativity, I feel like. And I know it's one that's going to last a really, really long time. Awesome. When did you start that? It was April 2022, I believe. So not too long ago. Okay. Cool. Um, we we met, I think, in twenty twenty one, the summer of, or kind of around like May in that area. Um, and we just continued being friends and, and and building up towards that collaboration for a while until it came together. Nice. How um how do y'all go about like, this is what we're gonna do, the subject matter or whatever. Yeah. Um, it really depends. Like, when we were first getting started, uh, each sketch really was just. It's written by individual person, like so. If you wrote a sketch, you get to direct it. You get to uh, obviously, it's us in the sketches acting as well. So you get to d assign the roles, you direct, you, um, you you basically run that set. But the other two are there to help out um, and give any and every other piece of support needed. So we keep it very small. It's just us three, our cameraman, a sound person if we have it, and any additional actors. We don't. I, I film is a collaborative process and when you have a feature film you're trying to work on you need maybe yeah the 50 75 people on a set 
you don't need more than seven to make a sketch like that. You just don't, you don't need it. Like the, at some point when you have people who can wear these different hats and I'm very grateful that we can, um, it just feels redundant to have 20 people on a student set because you're like two, at least five of these people aren't doing anything the entire time. The other 17 are like doing who knows what, like, yeah. like, like things that can be done by another person. Um, so we, we keep it very, very small and very, um, very to ourselves. And so that helps a lot because that means we can take all of our ideas and put them together towards the end product. So for a sketch that I make, I've written, I, that's, yeah, the content that'll go in it. Uh, I'll say, Hey, can we make this and set a time to make it? But, um, we don't actually worry about like, Oh, well, you know, I'm the one directing. This is exactly how it has to go. No, we, um, have more open like ended collaboration in terms of when we get their day of like oh can we try this shot can we try and like do this line a little differently can we change the way that we're going about the scene um and that that helps a lot because that means our best ideas aren't coming just on the page a week before we shoot or you know whenever we wrote the script the best ideas are coming out in the moment and when we're all together when we're able to see um thing playing out in real time and, and think like what can we do to make this better and that just helps a lot um and more recently uh we opened up like our official writers room so we have new collaborations with different writers coming together um and through that we've been able to kind of workshop their sketches a little more um and say like you know here's how we can get this to kind of match not necessarily like our content that we need, but like um, here's how we can make this better. And here's how we can get you to a point where you feel like this is its best version. And then same rules apply. This their set. If they wrote it, they get to direct it, cast whoever they want on it. We're just there to uh, help out. And we just have a rule that two of us, two of us out of the three need to be there for the set um, to be either in it or to help out behind the scenes. We don't have to be like main focus, but um Two out of three guys is the only way it's going to function. If it's just one of us, that's not sketchy as hell because that's not the collaboration. That's just right. our own person. Exactly. That's just the person. That's just the monologue. Exactly. Exactly. So um, that's been it's been really nice recently having the writers, uh, our, our new writers, to not only give us more inspiration and and, and give us more variety through our content, but um, just helps having you know more funny people to be around and to to build from. Keeps it sketchy as hell. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. What would you say inspires your creativity? Mm. I would kind of say others, others and their creativity. Um, I think seeing initially, like, you, you got to kind of consume a little bit of the media you want to put out so you can get a, you know, get a different way of, of starting like a different starting point i guess um like growing up probably some of my biggest comedic influences for like short form sketch content was camp peel um i watched sh so much camp peel in middle school it's actually insane and haven't stopped to this day but um when i when i am thinking about what direction do i want to take this this sketch or like how can i elevate these characters to have more dimensions and how can i like add just more depth to this i think like well, like, what would Cam Peel do? Like, what would, how would they play this? How would they make it better? How would they, like, w would the sketch look like that? Um, not necessarily as a, a, a marker for, like, a standard, but, like, 
as just a jumping off point to be like, well, if that's how they do this, this is maybe how I would go about this. Um, and it's the same thing for collaborating with others. Um, I find a lot of creativity um, and inspiration when I'm doing improv in some way, like regularly. Um, like when I was in school, we had improv classes. So that was a constant flow of like new ideas and of new creativity, like hearing others in the way they produce uh, comedy and just hearing, a, again, a breadth of voices. Um, and that I haven't had that for a hot second. So I have felt a little less creative, like creatively inspired. Um, but I'm hoping to get back into that and being around more comedians and doing more like stand up also helps because then again, you hear the way somebody tells a joke, you get a new, um, a new like inspiration for how you can build off, uh, you know, something, somebody else's stuff. Because at this point, all art is just stealing and making your own. And it's just like, it's like taking bits and pieces and building and creating your own. It's like, it's like building your own Lego set out of two different sets. Like yeah. if you got the Millennium Falcon and a TIE fighter and building a brand new ship out of it, like it's like, but you're still taking the building blocks of somebody else's thing because it's been done before, but it's how would you put it together into a new thing and build it from there? Yeah. That's awesome. What, what are your favorite movies of all time? Star Wars. Yeah. But Star Wars, uh, Empire Strikes Back has got to be my favorite. Um, the, 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 nothing nothing more to say on that uh, I love Rush Hour um, I love the movie Car Wash uh, it's uh, I think it's not only hilarious but it's like it's fun to see a story from just a day in the life like it's very much slice of life like how do these out of pocket characters just live and exist not on any special day not on any like yeah stuff happens this is a special day for this character but since it's such an ensemble piece it's like their days will go on and this this is like a, a pivotal day but you know they'll be at work the next day um so i love that as well um i love this movie uh, the nice guys it's like a more recent movie it's got uh ryan gosling uh russell crow oh yeah dude that movie's hilarious dude it's, yeah it's fucking funny uh, <laughs> I, I love just the the direction in that i love the timing of the jokes in that as well beats the shit out of the dude he's like i'm sorry i had to do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> He like breaks his hand and he's like, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Like, I wouldn't reach for that gun anymore. <laughs> uh, I think Ryan Gosling is hilarious in that. Um, and um, yeah, so I think those two especially had a very recent influence on me um, in terms of like the aesthetic of the 70s, but um, you know, kind of this modern sensibility of humor in it as well and shit like that. Um, yeah, that's probably my top ones. Um, Lord of the Rings, The Matrix, uh, Harry Potter. I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd as well. Um, yeah, nerdy shit. You name it, I probably, I probably like it. I'm not, I'm not into Naruto. Unfortunately, I know that's a big one. Uh, yeah. What uh, what was your favorite Lord of the Rings movie? I okay. Fellowship is probably my favorite. Um, that's just in terms of I've watched the most. I haven't watched Two Towers that much. Like I've seen it like I got six or seven times, but that's opposed to Fellowship, like 20, 25, you know, I don't know. But uh, Return of the King, I think is the best one. It, it just pulls it together. The f I was listening to the, um, the soundtrack the other day because 
I saw this video. It was of this dude hiking, and he was like, "You ever want to give up and then hear um, the lighting of the the torches, uh, like oh when, uh, the beacon of uh, yeah, the lighting of the beacons. That's what it is, dude. The beacon, the beacon is lit. Yeah, combo calls for life. Yeah, yeah. So that shit and is we like want to. <laughs> exactly, dude. Yeah. It's like shit like that. I love listening to the soundtracks. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of these movies. Oh. Yeah, a lot of these. A lot of my favorite movies have like just a really powerful soundtrack and like something you can listen to and still feel the movement of the story too, you know? And that, that fucking lighting of the beacons piece is Dude. insane. Like I felt I was listening to it on my way home from work. And I was like, I want to run right now. Like yeah. I want to sprint home. Yeah. Dude, when King Theoden gives the speech, uh, before they fight in front of the minister, he's like, he's like, and shields will be splintered. <laughs> it's fucking it's good. So- Dude, yeah. So that I think Return of the King is probably the best in terms of yeah, it's got the best score, it's got the best story. When fucking Sam picks up Frodo and carries him up that mountain, I like cry every time. I was just watching Fellowship the other day and I actually I cried when Boromir died and then oh, dude, I was like, damn, dude. You never got to see it, like you know, Gondor return to glory. Like that's tough. Damn. But yeah. Yeah, dude, Lurts. The can the main Urukai that kills him, dude. Yeah, that dude that is guy. insane. <laughs> yeah, intense. Dude. Yeah, that's. I saw somebody talking about that the other day in terms of like um, how they do villains in Lord of the Rings versus The Hobbit, where like The Hobbit most memorable villain is like Smaug, and that's because it's like an amazing performance. Like Benedict Cumberbatch kills it as that, um, but like the Urukai and the orcs feel so much more menacing because they're not cgi right in lord of the rings and whatever the is it as azog is like the the dude in the white in the hobbit is like the white orc um he's he's menacing i guess but he's like he's not real he doesn't feel he doesn't have a weight to him he doesn't have like yeah oh this is like some some elf that like you know got fucked up i guess like tortured and messed up it's just like this is kind of some big dude he's gonna hurt you Right, and it doesn't feel concrete anymore, dude. So. The the actor for Gandalf, I can't remember his name. Uh, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. He cried on set. Yeah, uh, he uh, broke down. He's like, I can't act in front of these green screens. Yeah, because like L- original three were all on like New Zealand yeah. outside. Yeah, and so he was like, I can't. Like, I hate this. Yeah, like, I I can't imagine how like I never watched the the Hobbit movies never? because I was like. Yeah, so much CGI. I just like it. Kind of killed it for me in yeah. some ways. But I, I mean, I should go back and watch them. I say they're worth a watch. They're, they're not going to be the Lord of the Rings, but they're still they're still, still Peter Jackson movies, so they're still good and they still hit. And um, it, I mean, Martin Freeman as Bobo is very fun. He's he's very good. The Company of Dwarfs is good, um, and Ian McKellen, of course. And I think uh, Christopher Lee has a couple. He's in it for dude. like a couple more, and that's one of his last performances. Man, what a badass actor! Yeah, dude, uh, the the original badass. That I man has done everything, or he did everything. He's been the villain, Saruman, Count Dooku, yes, sir. Uh, Fucking, Dracula. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, the most on screen sword fights in any in, in like film history, I think. Yeah, like in one interview, they're like, uh, or like, he was on set, and they were like, 
know, if you stab him this way, mm-hmm. then he'll die this way. And he's like, no, 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 no you got to stab him this way, then he'll die this way. And like, how do you know that? And he's like, because I've killed someone before. Because <laughs> I've seen somebody stabbed in the back before. I've stabbed, I've stabbed in the back. someone in the back. <laughs> yeah, I've killed people. Yeah, he's like, the air like leaves their body in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck have you seen, I, man? Man, he is Dracula. <laughs> For real, I'm like, you lived a lot of life. Because he was like, I think he worked for the special service. Yeah, he's like British British special, special service. Um, he was Ian Fleming's basis for James Bond, actually. Like, he saw Christopher Lee. It was like, that dude, that's James Bond. Which is like, what? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. We'll talk about a career. So, if career. so, yeah, one of his last performances is in The Hobbit. So definitely check that out. You can see how fucking decrepit he is at that point, but it's still, still cool to see. Damn. Yeah, I'll check that out. Okay. What are you what would you say your strengths and weaknesses as an artist are? I think um thankfully I've had so much time performing on stage and uh, performing on screen. I don't feel like a nervousness doing it. Um it, it feels very natural and it feels really especially with like stand up, like I'm just talking to people. Um I think uh probably my, my biggest weakness right now is just like uh, being sure to like communicate my originality and finding uniqueness in my voice, um, and 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 not not the way I tell jokes. I feel like that has my own uniqueness to it, just like naturally through, um, you know how how you work. But um, finding like new content and finding new ways to to go about a topic and finding a new new viewpoint to talk about because um, there's such an oversaturation these days of of not just like comedy but like opinion like everybody has a way to share their opinion now and so you got to find a way to like to find a like share a unique opinion or share it in a unique way that um can still resonate with people um and like acting wise i think i mentioned commitment that's like my biggest thing that i need to work on just like being there in a scene uh, especially for improv not trying to be funny like there's it's always the idea of like you try and be funny you're not going to be funny um, but if you're trying to be there in the moment, humor will arise, um, like that it'll, it'll come naturally. It's just, I have tr- a lot of trouble sometimes like turning that off and being like, let's not try and make a joke. Cause then I sound corny or then I, I pull somebody out by being like, oh, he just tried that joke and it didn't land. That, that, was, that was rough. Instead of like finding a natural way into humor and, um, exploring it in a way that isn't forceful, you know? Yeah. I think it, it's hard that. I've spent so much time dedicated to like overall trying to be funny. Like I've, I've spent a lot of time. I spent money on trying to be funny and like trying to learn to be funny um, and, and learn how to, how to tell a joke in a way uh, and, and, you know, learning filmmaking and whatnot. But the ultimate teacher and the ultimate way you learn and get better. Yeah. You need that baseline from, from school, I'd argue, but you can't be hell bent on it. You can't, strive to be funny you have to strive to be yourself and strive to tell a story and strive to to share who you are in a vulnerable way um and then find humor in that second instead of starting with that okay cool yeah well how would you best describe the type of artist you are yeah, I'd say um, comedy-wise, I love doing observational. Um, I love just 
talking about again the things that most people don't know they want to talk about or if if it's um i wouldn't say like i push the envelope but i like talking about uncomfortable things as well like i'll do a 9-11 joke yeah because we're far removed enough it's funny then and what's the funny angle you can find on it um and so i like talking about that uh, so i definitely say i'm observational a little bit a little bit blue uh, a little bit um not necessarily dark humor but um yeah sarcastic sometimes yeah definitely i think um i i don't know I, i'd say if anyone were to describe my humor it'd probably just be goofy like i i, I like being silly and, and having a, a fun time like i don't think you have to be um at all serious in art um or like try too hard to like take it take it all seriously um because at the end of the day it's a medium of enjoyment like you yeah. should be having fun you should be you should and, and i think people like it when they see you're having fun because that means like it invites them to open up in that way as well yeah well, yeah you can you can go some crazy places talking about 9 11. <laughs> yeah yeah i uh like had an obsession with 9 11 like two months ago yeah two months ago where i watched like every newscast every video Damn. learned about the infrastructure of the buildings learned about the planes studied the pilots studied people that were like on the top floor like got down do you think i, I like when as far as i could get, watch every conspiracy video watch every documentary i was just like obsessed beyond obsessed what's the official consensus do you think of the stage you know I don't know. There's conflicting things that I've read and learned that, uh, like, for instance, some pilots think that it's pretty absurd how they could fly those planes, given that they were, if they were those pilots, very green, as it were, to fly planes. Like, they were very novice. Yeah. And to fly the way that they did professionally blew a lot of the trained people's minds mm. and i thought that was an interesting take that's interesting. and um and then yeah the fact that they like i don't know they didn't find any engine or anything at uh pentagon which makes it seem like they're not even a missile hmm. but you would think in the damage that it did to the pentagon there's really weird things because they're saying so if this pilot had done this, they flew, flew like very horizontal with the pavement, knocked down several light posts as they're driving horizontal across the land mm. before they crashed into the Pentagon. All the pilots were saying like, they would have to be like a fucking master pilot. Because you got to pretty much land pilot. first and then Yeah, because they like come and then fly straight along the ground and then go into the side. And plus they're like, if they really wanted to do damage, they would come hit the, hit the roof. Yeah. They would, that's how they would kill the most people. And so they're like, why would the pilot fly right into this one spot? Of the So I thought that was really sketchy. So the hole that the, the plane supposedly made was tiny compared to what a, if a 747 Boeing did hit the Pentagon. Plus, other people said they saw, like, if it was a plane, they thought it was, like, a jet, like a 
like a private jet, mm. like a business class. That's what they said. What they the said. hell? Plus, there's no other videos of that one instance of the plane hitting the side of the Pentagon that the government released. Mm. They took all the other videos away from the local people. And so that was really sketchy because I was that like, is. a lot of people witnessed this. Why aren't there more videos of... And plus, there's a hundreds of cameras facing the Pentagon. It's the Pentagon. Yeah. So. Hmm. That is interesting. And then also the plane crash on the fourth plane. Hmm. They didn't really find that much debris. And the debris they did find was scattered for miles apart, which means it was either shot down or it was falling apart as it was coming to the ground. Yeah. So that was really interesting, too. So. But I guess whoever planned what realized that they couldn't fake or cover up the actual planes hitting the Twin Towers. Yeah. So I don't know. And I've heard, not to like make this a whole 9-11 thing, but <laughs> um, I was just deeply fascinated by this because this happened when I was in third grade. Mm -hmm. I remember everything about it. Mm -hmm. I was confused. I remember going to school the next day and saying the tourists hit the Trade Center. And they're like, Jordan, no, it's terrorists, not tourists. And I was confused. I thought it was just... You're like, they're from out of town. I thought these were just some bad... Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think that it's very interesting how the buildings collapse. Plus, I don't know. There's This is a really far-off conspiracy, but a direct energy weapon used to vaporize basically the building. That's why they say there's no like office furniture or anything like that found. Mm. Plus the fires below the, the ground zero were like 2000 degrees. What? Melting steel, basically. They're, they're running little pools and rivers of melted steel. What the fuck? So it's like, I don't know. Anyways, I think it's just really interesting. There's a lot of stuff to unpack. Like, yeah. And then I studied the whole Iraq war, studied Desert Storm. I was like obsessed with studying the Iraq and Afghanistan war. Mm. Watched shitloads of documentaries on mm. Afghanistan. I recommend anyone that finds this fascinating watch Korngal, Korngal. and Restrepo. Okay. Those are both real documentaries where the cameraman is with them as they're getting shot at. And you see the fear on these people's faces, like no one's acting. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just incredible. Yeah. And then you see them having a good time and having fun. And it's like, wow, they're you know, they're just humans. Like Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. Very real. For sure. Yeah. There's no there's no like turning away from that. Exactly. And I thought, you know, when I was a little kid, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't really understand any of the wars. Now that I'm older, I found it very fascinating to study them. Yeah. 100%. But, dude, anyways, um, what would you say, like, your art represents? Mm. What would my art represent? Mm. I would hope that my art represents kind of like relief. And silliness like I think it, as you get older as you like start to be around a lot more people uh, who have been 
like in their careers for a long time or for uh, who, who kind of like dedicated their life to, to something that's so serious, they lose that ability to be silly or to have fun or to like goof out, like the, to have, have moments where like you have fun and you have, um, you, you don't need to take everything seriously. And I think, I hope my art represents it, whether it's a joke, whether it's, you know, a comedic sketch or like an, a piece of my acting. I hope it shows people that it's okay to be silly. It's okay to like have fun and play and to, and to like enjoy the process of like letting go of kind of that weight that is that there's like a weight and cost to everything in the world. And, and in our day and age of like social media and of, and of, mass spread like information that's readily available it's like that cost is like upgraded because now you you can see everything that's happening now you can look up everything that's happening you can do a deep dive into everything about 9-11 now and that there's a, a lot of weight that comes with that and there's a lot of cost that 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 has and i think if you're not able to also at the same time have a 9-11 joke and have something that's that'll like you know, be be funny as well. That's gonna be tough. Hold on one second. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, relief from life. Yeah, I think life is heavy, and I, if you aren't able to take at least some moments in your day to like reflect in the humor and find the find the fucking funny in your day, then your day is gonna be miserable. If you can't look back and say, man, I had a shitty day at work, but damn, what was Deborah wearing today? You know, that dress was stupid. Like, if you can't look back and recontextualize and find that humor in your day-to-day, um, I think you're not living to the full potential that you have. And so hopefully my art and my, my, my you know, my jokes, my, my stand-up, whatever, are able to give people just a moment of relief, a moment of reprieve from what's going on nice so um you're from here you grew up here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how long did you live here i lived here for 17 years oh yeah um and like you come back here very often Mm -hmm. i'm here about like five times a year like just for usually around a week at a time or you know two three days at a time whatever i can get um one to spend time with family but also just because i i miss here um i love chicago chicago is amazing especially a space for creativity um and it has wonderful people but i miss trees i miss greenery and and driving because i also don't have my car up in chicago so i do find solace and you know my road rage here as well so yeah nice what would you say, like, I mean, since you live there now, what would you say something you've learned living here in Nashville mm. or know about Nashville since you have that perspective? Yeah. Um, I think uh, we were talking about it earlier, but it's the, that everybody has something to, to bring to the table, that um, your creativity is your own. And that you should never let that be compromised um, by somebody else. I think Nashville, uh, Chicago as well, but I think especially Nashville is what you were saying. It's it's a very welcoming space for um, you know your your own creativity and for the way you want to 
you where you want to express yourself in that. Um, and there's always been an emphasis on like be you and and be who you be who you are, be authentic to yourself. Um, uh, yeah, I'd say that's the that's what I learned from Nashville the most is like authenticity. It's just don't be afraid to to speak your mind and to say what you say what you feel because nine times out of ten there's someone else who agree with you and someone else who just needs to hear it first before they can fully believe it and it, believe in it themselves. You know. Yeah. Do you have a favorite venue here? Oh. I do love I, I love the Ryman. Um, I've seen a couple shows of the Ryman. It's beautiful. Um, I mean, not even like as a music venue, but I I love the Grand Ole Opry, especially right now, like during holidays time. Like I'll always go and just walk around, see the lights, um, be in the hotel. I think it's a beautiful space, and it's got it's one of those spaces you can kind of like feel the history behind it. Just everywhere you go and it has like kind of that weight to it that's like damn this is like you know a modern nice hotel but it's like this is like a, a birthplace of a lot of people like and their creativity and this is where a lot of people found inspiration and found solace in what they wanted to make um and and found their voice too i think that's wonderful and it, something like that like is is palpable things like that do you have a favorite like like comedy venue here or i haven't done too much comedy here honestly i i need to i need to do more around here and i need to um i one day i want to definitely do like zanies because um, that's something my dad said he actually has performed a couple times at zanies so like that's wow one of my dreams is to, to my legacy yeah exactly is to do that um and you know i get make a name for myself in the place where i was born and raised awesome what is some advice you'd give to someone who's going to move here and do art? Hmm. I would say, uh, again, be authentic. Like, have, have, have confidence in your voice. Have confidence in your craft, but also um, take note of what other people are doing because you'll see their drive and their passion and, and you'll see how they create. And that's not necessarily how you need to create, but that's just a... Like if you need it, a starting point, there's a thing that you can recognize to say, like, this is how someone can can live and grow like this, and and here's a the it, here's a, a marker for dedication that you need, you know. Yeah. So reflecting back on when you first started as an artist, what is one of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome, mm-hmm. and how did you get through it? I'd say starting out um, is I always again had this idea of like what do I need to do to be funny? Like what what is what's going to be the funniest thing I can do in this situation? Like either it's improv acting, like oh what's going to be the the craziest most out of pocket thing I can do right now to to be funny? Or like um, there's joke writing. It's like what will be you know what what's going to be out there? What's going to be What's what's something I've heard somebody else do that I know is that that's worked for them, and how can that work for me? Um, and adjusting all of that to like what's right in this moment, and what is right coming from me, like uh, using 
other people's work and other people's um, the like kind of creation as inspiration instead of a direct blueprint to work from. Because so I kind of had this idea of like, well, you know, if this is how Dave Chappelle tells a joke, I got to tell the joke the exact same way. I got to like try and weave it in a story. I got to do this and this and this, but that's not the way I tell stories. You have to be authentic to yourself in, in that way and, and, and find, um, you know, what is your voice, what works for you. And you have to be comfortable with that before you can start to change it and mold it to what you want it to be. Okay. And what would you say is like one of your biggest personal growths from last year to this year? Mm. Huh. I'd say probably the my joke writing process is definitely it's become more more I've adapted it more for like how I live now. Um, when I was in school, you know, a year ago, I, I was having uh, a lot of creative, a lot of creative time, like just after school, maybe during school, I'd write down an idea for a joke and be like, oh, this is, you know, this is something I'll write later. Or, and there was always the motivation of, you know, I'm in a stand up class. So at the end of the quarter, I need to have the stand up ready. So I should probably be writing the stand up. Um, whereas now, if I don't have a show lined up, I still need to write. Yeah. I still need to create. Um, if I don't have an acting gig lined up, I still need to. I still need to self tape. I still need to see how I look on screen. So I still need to act in one of my own things so I can um, continue continue growing. Because um, it, I think one of the hardest things coming out of graduation to learn was like, how do I do this for myself, and how do I find um, f- the motivation to do it when there's not a deadline, when there's not a hard and fast like it's got to be done by this date. Um, uh, and so my creative process has definitely become more like I need to write consistently. I need to um, I need to be doing things these things on a more consistent basis uh, that fits around my own schedule, but also still, you know, brings me that creative fulfillment. It's hard to find. It's hard to find the balance because it's like it's not the same for everybody. But um, I've definitely found just like writing something every day or every other day it's just like I, either i'm writing a joke i'm writing down some sketch ideas i'm writing a sketch or you know i'm working on you know a couple feature length films so i'm like what can i do like writing wise just something that keeps you stimulated but also keeps you in it because the more you like take a break from your art the more you like look away from your art yeah it's nice to have reprieve and to like to have a breathing room and you need breathing space to also come back and make something better but that means you need to be working on something else because um, you can't you can't ever like just turn it off you know and and ha- having yourself too far removed from it is just not conducive to ever getting better at it yeah you become disillusioned mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you get stuck in well this worked for me back then right this was cool two months ago that's not how you're living right now that's you're, that's not the same developed brain like you have learned something new and you've learned new things and, and have a different perspective on something in that time. How has it changed? How are you, how are you going to you know, take that into account and like adapt the way you create to it? Having like routines and stuff. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely having like just a, a, a good way. Like I try now, like come home from work for 
I do anything before I like smoke or anything. Even it's just like I need to read something, I need to journal, and I need to like write something just so I have that um, those those things like out there. And then I have my leisure time after that because I also just lose the motivation to do those things once I've smoked a little bit. So plus, it's like nice to earn your reprieve. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. I'm like, damn, I did all that shit, and I get to smoke at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> like that's nice. Exactly. Yeah, yeah like. I try to, I don't play video games too often, but I'm like, if I do all these things, have all this, then I can jam out on a video exactly. game and I won't feel like guilty. I'll yeah. be able to enjoy the relaxing time. And I'm always like, if I do this so much harder now and like go to such an intense degree, when I do relax, it's going to be like 10 times better. Yeah. You, you know, like if I go hard, I get to, it's literally the work hard, play hard. It's just like, yeah. I get to like, yeah, just have the, that come down from it. The more pain I experience doing this. Exactly. And when I'm not done, I go way over here in the pleasure. Yeah, exactly. Not doing it. Exactly. Okay, cool. So how can like people support you as an artist? Yeah. Come see shows or, or watch stuff on, uh, watch stuff on my Instagram. It's Jalen WA underscore. Um, Look up Sketchy as Hell on YouTube uh, and watch our sketches. And, and if you got ideas for a new sketch, send us an idea. We'll fucking think about it at least. Uh, but yeah, we uh, basically at this point just trying to um, get more exposure, trying to show more people what, what I do, what Sketchy as Hell does. Um, and yeah, if you know anybody who's looking for a comedian for, for any booking shows, send, them, send me your their way, you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. So how do you consume media now? Do you like, do you have favorite YouTube videos or? Yeah, I, I'm one of those like YouTube while you eat people just cause I'm, I guess like, man, I don't know. It's like a very, very weird thing, but like love having some media present. Yeah, exactly. Um, YouTube wise, I've been always like Key and Peele, um, I, these, these two dudes, Mr. Sunday movies, they're like kind of podcasts, like they're reviewers, but they're also just like always talking about, um, you know, older movies, breaking them down, shit like that. Um, but yeah, it's things like that. I, I love, um, I, I try and consume as, like I was saying, like a breadth of the movies, like trying to, you know, especially around Halloween time, I was watching a lot more horror movies, even though that's not really my jam necessarily, but like trying to explore those a little more. Um, yeah, and just keep on finding new things, like new TV shows, new whatever, like finding it. What um do you so like for you? YouTube is like your main source of. I don't say YouTube or, or streaming. I'm just either trying to watch movies or yeah, I'll play video games as well. But what game do you play or latest? Um, right now, it's Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, I. Uh, I, I love that game so much just because it's like I don't know if you ever played Breath of the Wild or anything but that film that game that game was really fun but it feels like a demo compared to Tears of the Kingdom it's like really yeah it's it, you I tried to play Breath of the Wild to see like how it compares I'm like where's where is it <laughs> where's the rest of the game like it's just it feels like a natural extension of that shit um, so I've been playing playing that for a while it's fun like you get to explore um get to kind of take the take the story at your own pace which i think is a really fun way that uh video games just uh, kind of enhance your 
your sense of story and the way you perceive them. Um, I'm, what else am I playing? I'm playing God of War 2018 for the first time. I still haven't ever beaten it, so I'm doing that. I love that. Um, I'm playing the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga right now. I uh, just beat uh, episode two and started episode three, actually, but I was pissed. Wow. You ever played the Complete Saga? No. Oh, dude. Okay, so there's the Lego Complete Saga. It's a great game. Really? Uh, it's, it was like PS2, PS3, um, and the first mission of Revenge of the Sith is like this cool-ass flying mission. It's the opening where you're yeah. like in uh, the... Jedi Starfire. Exactly. Uh, get Trying to get into Count, Count Dooku's ship, and or General Grievous' ship, and the this new game, the Skywalker Saga, just completely skips over it. Like I was like really looking forward to it, and then they start you like once you're on the ship. But the, uh, in this, the original game, that entire first level is like getting onto the ship and flying the ships. And I was like, right, damn, they kind of took one of the best aspects away from this game. So I was a little pissed yeah. off about that, but it's still fun nonetheless. And I mean, it's a very expansive game, so I like it. Um, yeah, and the favorite video game of all. Like of all time, I'd say like uh, the Batman Arkham games. Oh yeah, love those so much. Um, I loved the Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess. One of my favorites, obviously. Like the a lot of Wii games, like Mario Kart Wii, Mario Kart DS. Um, what else? Battlefront Two. Oh my Fuck god! Battle- yeah. uh, Battlefront Twenty Fifteen. I was like, I played that one a fuck ton, and then uh, I still sometimes play the, the new Battlefront 2. Um, the new Battlefront 2 is all of the campaign. Yeah. It's pretty fun. I didn't, I didn't love the campaign on it too much. I liked the, I liked the, the new mode, the supremacy modes, where you're like getting oh. to play like the full stages. Like You'll do the, the battle on the ground, then up to the ship, and then come back down if you're doing it. I love that shit. Wow. But yeah, that would probably be Favorites? Do you have what's your, what's your favorite video game of all time? Um, that it's really hard to say. You can give me a top three. Skyrim was really fun. Hell yeah. Um, I used to love the Fight Night games a lot. Mm-hmm. Boxing. Oh yeah. It's all like in the thumb, like just the full punch and I combinations and mixture of timing was really fun to me. Oh yeah. Um, I like. Oh, actually, no. Here's one, one. Age of Empires three is one of my favorite. Okay. Games of all okay, got gotcha. you. I, I love the whole. It, but... You build your economy, build your military, then you go out and attack yeah. other civilizations. That is a lot of fun to me. Oh yeah. Because I love like games like Risk mm. mixed with Monopoly, mm. mixed with like you know actual fighting. But yeah, yeah Battlefront two, the original Battlefront two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite games, original Battlefront, was one of my favorite games. Um, yeah, I really like Hitman right now. Hell yeah! I, me, and my little brother will, um, we'll just play a level and see like the weirdest possible way we can take the dude out and somehow get away with it. Like, yeah. go for the kind of the kills they like set up right away. You're like, oh, this dude has a peanut allergy, <laughs> and you're like, slip some motherfucking peanuts into the sandwich or something. You know? Dude, yeah, all the different ways and how creative you can be on the game. Yeah, super fun. That um, battle for, Battlefield. I've actually never played Battlefield. I like it because it's, it's like pretty historically accurate mm-hmm. and it's pretty hard. 
because mm. there's like all vehicles are coming at you and like you have to take account for bullet dropping and everything else oh, so yeah. It's like, yeah it's much more spread out so you can actually snipe and it's just yeah it's fun Oh yeah, I I want to give it a try. I wanted to get Battlefield One for the longest time. Yeah, that's what really, I, yeah. I played the World War Two. Yeah, World, World, World War One. Yeah, that's what I was playing uh, last night. Yeah, that one. Yeah, is it a steep learning curve? Because I like I want to get into it, but you do have to warm up. I mean, okay. the first couple kills, you're going to get killed pretty fast because you just have to keep your head on a swivel and mm -hmm. like you know just always check your corner. I don't know. It's to me, it always seemed more fun because it was on a bigger map than yeah. Call of Duty, where it's just like team deathmatch, basically. Yeah. Where, yeah. But this is like all out war, so it's like you have to look out for airplanes. Mm -hmm. There's like someone could blow this entire building up while you're in it. Yeah. Like it seems much more realistic in, in that kind of way. Hell yeah. Okay. I'm going to give it a shot. And it's historic. Those. You get yeah. to go to like different parts of France and like. You know different parts of Europe, and you're like, wow, these are the guns that they were using, yeah, like mustard gas, <laughs> you know? yeah, it's just, it's just wild. <laughs> that is wild. I'm like, when I play the World War II one, I'm like, man, this is what it was like to be my grandfather back then. True, there. yeah, that's crazy. So, you know, like, this is kind of on the subject of 9 11. There's a several 9 11 video games, what, and a lot of people were like, this is so bad, people shouldn't be, and then. A lot of people are like, no, people should be able to play this because it puts you in perspective of what they were like when they dealt with that. And so there's a lot of learning and educational purposes in the game. Mm. What are like, you doing? Do you play as like a cop? Basically, like you there's one of them is called 846 because that's when the first plane hit. Mm. And so basically, you're on the 90th floor and um, that's you're crazy. at your computer. And like it's just a normal day, normal day. And you're like you're talking on the phone. You hear your coworker talking on the phone, and then all of a sudden, and then next thing you know, your coworkers are jumping out of out of the room. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's it's intense, but it's like it it feels realistic. Like, like did you can you can you imagine going into that game not knowing it was what it was about? Like. Yeah, you're like, yeah, this is gonna be a cool like job simulator game. Jobs, it is. It's like a jobs, it's a job simulator game to the extreme. <laughs> For real, job simulator on the worst day of your exactly uh, like career ever. It's like, yeah. So I, I watched YouTube videos of people playing it, and it's just it's wild. That is wild. I'm surprised that got made. It was like an underground game kind mm. of thing I found on the internet because like. Back in like 2005, you could find all kinds of crazy shit about 9 11 mm. games, hidden little gems. Mm -hmm. And people in my class were always showing this stuff to each other. Like, if you type these three symbols and do this, it makes it up two planes and like two building looking symbols come up. And it's like, I don't know. And then they're like, the whole conspiracy of like, George W. Bush has so <laughs> many letters in it. You type those letters in here, and then, like, I don't know. There's all kinds it, of like, weird. Spell out he did not yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like all. Of, yeah, there's a lot of this little games being thrown around. Anyways, mm -hmm. is there anything that you would like to add that I might not have asked you about? Um, no, I don't think so. Thank you again for having me. It's always like wonderful talking to 
very creatively inclined people and and people who have like a true like passion and curiosity for art and creating art and like different processes behind it so thank you again yeah thank you for coming on absolutely so i've got one last question what is something absurd you love or do something absurd sometimes when i uh have had like a a long longer day and i'm trying to not necessarily like stay awake or anything or i'm just trying to like not have like my the same exact expression on my face that i've had all day i'll just go into the bathroom stare in the mirror and just like start shaking like just like it's hard just like start like doing something that's like physically moving very fast and like trying to distort my face or whatever and then just go back to normal and i'm like okay just got got a little bit of silliness out and then just like go back to whatever i was doing but that's just a, a fun way to like Release be weird yeah. yeah yeah exactly just purposefully like not do what you've been doing all day and to kind of like stretch yourself in a, in a in a weirder way that you necessarily do every day or something you wouldn't normally do in front of other people definitely not no i don't want anybody to think i'm having a stroke or a seizure so i usually <laughs> just i keep it to myself but you know if i'm ever in the bathroom for extra long now people will know you're a little yeah now i can go back out in public exactly now i'm ready to go cool yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay cool dude well jay thanks again thank you jordan appreciate you